Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. There's a resilience investment plan currently uh, sitting before the New Orleans City Council that's about hardening the infrastructure. And the Entergy Organization recently uh, engaged in, in economic impact study. Uh, the results are out there as well. And Nika Scott, Director of Public Affairs, uh, Energy New Orleans, as well as Josh Flagg, Senior Vice President of Business Development at Greater New Orleans, Inc., join us to talk about it. Folks, welcome to the show and Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year. Glad to be here. Thank you, Noel. Thanks for having us. So, folks, uh, let's talk about the uh, resilience investment plan. Obviously, that's something that's very important to the uh, ratepayers and consumers uh, because of the challenges that we face all the time uh, down in uh, southeast Louisiana. Where are we, uh, and and how soon do we expect that we can get this thing started? Uh, yeah, Noel. So, um, so we filed um, our resilience plan, which we're calling Operation Gridiron, because we're literally trying to to make our grid strong like iron. Uh, we filed this plan early, um, early 2022, mid 2022, and we were hoping to have a, a decision by the council in in December of this past year, uh, but but that didn't happen. Uh, there is um, a climate committee meeting scheduled for January 24th of this year, and we're hoping that the council will take it up. At that time, uh, how confident are we that that's going to happen? Um, I'm not a betting person, uh, but but we have we are certainly asking them to do it, and we've we've met with multiple council members um, and asked them asked them to support it and asked them to put it on the agenda for the 24th, um, and we we hope that it's going to happen because every every day that we wait is just one day closer to hurricane season which kicks off literally, what, three months, four months from today, January, uh, June 4th. So the sooner we can get these projects started, the stronger our grid will be when the next storm comes because we know that it's not a matter of if a storm is coming. I mean, when a storm is coming, it, it is coming. We know that. So, And, Nika, every, every day that we, we delay is a, del- is a day loss, right, because there's actually activities. I've seen you all do it in my neighborhood where you all are – punching these uh, metal sleeves along the side of, of wood posts to help uh, create more rigidity right at the ground level where that's the highest tendency of those poles snapping is is really a, it truly is a day loss and, and a day loss of advancing this project forward it is Noel, and you know the project is it's an exciting one it's the biggest kind of infrastructure project we've done in, in the history of the city um, since we've been here it is, it is, it's not, it's not sexy. It is kind of just the nuts and bolts of our system that, that we're upgrading and, and making harder. You know, our system was built about 60, 70 years ago. Um, you know, and just like a car, you can, you can change the oil in it. You can change your tires, but at some point you got to get a new car. 
And, um, you know, this project replaces uh, 26,000 poles citywide, um, you know, hundreds of miles of wire, and it's upgrading all of them. We know that storms, and we've seen this over the past few years, we are getting more frequent and stronger storms hitting the Gulf Coast. And in 2020 and 2021 alone, we had like four storms hit the Louisiana coastline, um, and, they're, and they're stronger. So what this, what this project does, it upgrades our, our distribution poles to about 140-mile-an-hour wind resistance, our transmission poles up to 150-mile-an-hour uh, wind resistance, and then our wires as well. Um, we own about 96,000 poles. I mean, there's about 96,000 poles citywide, and about 45,000 of those are energies. So we're upgrading well over half of our poles um, so that you don't see the poles snapping You know, during, during a major storm event. It's much cheaper. Uh, to make these repair now, repairs now than after a storm hits us, because as you know, when a storm hits, everybody's competing for new poles, new wires. Um, and if we have a, a pole that can withstand winds up to 140, 150 miles an hour, usually all we have to do is restring a wire, which gets our power back on a lot quicker. Nika, what's the bone of contention? I'm sorry, say that again. I didn't hear you. Uh, is there a bone of contention between this plan and the council? What are their concerns? Well, you know, I, I think that generally the council understands how important it is to, that our system is hardened. In fact, they're the ones who asked us to, to file this plan. Um, after Hurricane Ida came through, you know, we all know what happened to South Louisiana and New Orleans in particular after Ida hit. So the council came to us and said, hey, give us a plan. Make, your, make our system harder. Uh, make our system stronger, which is what we did. So we submitted this billion-dollar, you know, 10-year plan to make our, our system stronger and, and obviously cost, you know, you know, people, we have to pay for it somehow. It's not free. Um, so we are working with the council and we are looking at multiple ways um, to try to offset bill impacts to our customers. We understand that everything is more expensive. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, is, is we can, we can do this now when it's cheaper or we can do it after a storm where it's much more expensive and we don't want to have to pass, you know, those more expensive costs on the customers. If we can make it cheaper, we'd like to. And and how does this? Um, I mean, is this part of the the, the reason why uh, you filed this in 2022, and we're not going to get this resolved in 2020 until 2024, hopefully. Um, hopefully, you're right. Fingers crossed. Um, we 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 do want it resolved this year, uh, just for the very reasons you know you said earlier. Every day is one day closer to storm season. And we've been really lucky the past two years that we haven't, you know, seen a storm. But I don't want us to get complacent. I want us to act. Um, I think the council wants us to act um, because, I, I, you know, I know it's important to them that we get the power back on as quickly as possible after a hurricane. Uh, you know, I've said this many times, um, not necessarily in, in defense of energy, but it's just obvious uh, in anything in life, you get what you pay for, right? I mean, uh, if you're not setting aside monies uh, in the rate structure to improve upon capital investment each and every year to, to have this type of maintenance plan moving forward, you find yourself having to do it all at one time. And the numbers are more expensive because each year with inflation or whatever, cost of materials, cost of goods go up, right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Um, and you know, um, we do annual maintenance every year, um, but this, to me, and, and I'm not the engineer here, so my engineers may, may tell me I'm wrong, but um, 
you know, our annual maintenance includes things that we're doing now, you know, replacing poles. Um, but generally, you know, we have a 10-year, I think, inspection cycle on our poles. Or if a pole is hit by a car, you know, or snapped in two, then we replace it. But this, to me, is like our our annual maintenance, but on steroids. Instead of sure, replacing yeah. one pole on the street, we may be replacing 15. And you just see those benefits, not just on that one street where these projects are occurring, but you see it in, you know, multiple blocks all the way around. So so it's a, it's a very, very robust annual kind of O&M um, program. Absolutely. So this brings us to um, this economic impact study. What role, uh, from your perspective, does does this play? Uh, is this informational for the council, or what, what is what is the role of the impact study? So, so you know, companies do these often, or, or rather, not often, but probably every ten years, just to kind of measure their direct and indirect effects on businesses and and their local economies. And we actually did this study. We started it back in, in 2021 or 2022, and we, we used our 2021 numbers, um, you know, because you have to use a full year, and it just takes so long to get this, this information together. Um, and, you know, New Orleans is our home. Uh, we live here. Our company is headquartered here. And I think it's a really big deal to have a Fortune 500 company in your city and your state. And, you know, our this study confirms it. Um, you know, in fact, I think in, in 2021, there were only 136 Fortune 500 companies in the U.S., and only 37 states had them, had them. So I think that we're really fortunate to have a Fortune 500 company, not just in our state, but in our city. Um, and, and we're just presenting this number as just one more benefit that having energy here brings to our city and our state. I read through the impact study, and I think it's fair that we should put some numbers out there. Um, you know, 440. Four hundred four million spent to operate the headquarters. One hundred fifty-four million of that number spent on wages and salaries to pay roughly one thousand six hundred fifty-five employees at the headquarters, which is an average wage of ninety-three thousand two hundred five dollars. That's thirty-six percent higher than the average wage in the parish. I mean, those are significant numbers. Obviously, Entergy has a total of approximately twelve thousand employees company-wide. That's correct, um, and and we also generate uh, 269 million in household earnings for New Orleans residents, um, and 493 million dollars in sales at New Orleans businesses, um, with kind of three different sectors being the primary sectors that that benefit from us. Um, and you know that's that's also something with our resilience plan. It's a it's a one billion dollar plan, but we don't do that work. Um, you know, we're not a construction company. We we hire an outside construction company to oversee it. We hire local local businesses, and you know, one billion dollars of, of the work that will go from our in our resilience program will also go to local businesses. And that obviously has the trickle down effect, trickle down impact. Uh, every dollar spent in our community. I don't know, Josh, you may know the, the more recent numbers. At one time, they say it turns over seven times. Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I think to, to, to the broader point here, Newell, the, the, these are the gold standard of jobs, right? Headquarter jobs 
attracting headquarters, retaining headquarters is the gold standard of, of economic development. I mean, not, and not only for all the reasons we just touched on, these are the highest paying jobs typically, um, they're knowledge-based or clean jobs, if you will, um, but their leverage to attract their vendors, their their clients to the area to create jobs as well is, is outsized. Um, and you see this happen near headquarters everywhere. I mean, Entergy has dozens and dozens of vendors that create hundreds, if not thousands, of jobs in our region. Um, and so their multiplier effect is is gigantic. They're spending directly, you know, in, 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 a, in various forms of, of taxes, payroll taxes for the individual, sales tax. I mean, all, all over the board, you see this through this economic impact study um, having a tremendous impact on our region, almost half a billion dollars. Um, but what the, the hidden story here is those those indirect jobs are are tremendous, and and then the dollars that they pump back into the community through charitable giving, and involvement from a kind of civic and a social perspective in the community is is tremendous, and so. It's, it's, it's actually the, the, you know, I think what we are missing the most in our region is more headquarter jobs. And then when you get to the Fortune 500 level, like Micah was saying, that's uh, as big as it gets in the United States. So the, the impact to Orleans Parish, to the GNO Inc. region, is, is, uh, it cannot be understated in terms of the size and the scope of, of these types of jobs. I got to imagine that Entergy, Louisiana, Entergy, New Orleans combined – non-governmental are they the largest in the state uh i believe auctioner technically um in terms of just head count throughout the state of louisiana uh is right. is larger private employer not you know to your point non-governmental um entergy's right. got to be pretty pretty close though uh, but but keep in mind if we start counting indirect all of the all the field folks at Entergy leverages that are on someone else's payroll and all the vendors they work with, um, you, you, you probably get get there, right? If you start counting all those indirect jobs, right? And then and then when you think of all the affiliated uh, arrangements, uh, contracts, especially in the aftermath of a disaster that 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 they do manage, it's it's great when you have the corporate headquarters right here because you you really have the whole assessment model team, everybody stationed in headquarters. Would that be yeah, correct? You have the... No, that is that is key. Um, and it, look, it, it means something to have our, our corporate team here. We're introducing New Orleans is very fortunate uh, that we are so close to our corporate group. And 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 Noel, to your point, after a storm. For Ida, for instance, it was a $200 million, basically, cost about $200 million from Ida cost, but we had over 20,000 line workers come into the state to, to, you know, get us to stand our system back up after. So um, that's that's just another way that, that we have to kind of coordinate and work with corporate and Energy Louisiana when we're having to, to, to take those actions after a storm event. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. You were going to say something, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was. I, I, you know, sort of back to this point um, of of having the headquarters in you know in our region is the they, the leverage, the center of power for that company is in our region. Their decisions are made from this region, and so when they strike a partnership or, or a deal with a new vendor, they um, you know they have that weight and that that leverage to say create jobs in our region. And so we we saw this play out last year 
with the United Utility announcement. Um, you know, United Utility moved their headquarters to New Orleans last year, and and a large part of that decision was based on their their future partnership with with Entergy. Um, that's a big deal that they through that leverage of having their corporate headquarters here were able to you know to strike a, a deal with a new vendor. And, and create jobs in our region through that partnership. Um, that's something I think that, that goes undertold, or, or uh, I think the impact sometimes is, is not reflected in, in some of these economic impact studies. And, and to and Josh's obvious. point, you know, United, is, United Utility is the partner that will be overseeing all of the resilience projects should the council approve them. Right, yeah, they're, they're big, uh, <laughs> familiar with them. Um, Josh and, and Nika, I, I, and I don't remember who, but I know that there's been some folks that, that are saying maybe we need to municipalize all of this and, and run this as a governmental agency. In my view, uh, not to be critical, but I think that would be a complete and total disaster. Um, thoughts? Like, well, I'm going to let you take that no, one first. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, you know, Noel, it's just whether or not, you know, you want the city to run our power grid. Um, I, I don't certainly don't think there is any, um, from, from a monetary standpoint, uh, you know, studies have shown, you can look all over the country, you know, municipalization and deregulation does not necessarily mean cheaper rates for customers, nor does it mean you're going to get your power back on quicker. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Well, you, cert- you certainly don't get a discount on a poll. Right. I mean, (laughs) you know, all of the supplies, the materials, the contracts, those don't change. Uh, What does change is that you got to go do it, you know, in in a manner that's very costly, doesn't doesn't necessarily deliver the highest quality contractor to do the work for you because you're you're out there having to deal with um, public bid contracts, which been there, done that, managed that for roughly 20 years. There's nothing efficient about that. In fact, the system's not set up to be efficient. It's, it's really set up just to keep people honest and to be inefficient in, in its application. I don't know how else to describe it. But having been there and, done, and, and, and worked within that, that, that context, I see a lot of value points that would be presented by leaving it just the way it is as opposed to going, going down that path. And I mean, I'm not. That's not being critical of anyone. That's just the way the structure's set up, right? Yeah, I I, I would agree, Newell, and and I would add to that, you know, that that we're seeing a, a ton of innovation and in electrification in general, and mm-hmm. and government is not always set up to be a you know kind of a bleeding edge innovator. Um, it's 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 kind of your point. It's just a structural situation, and so, um, you know, times are changing quickly in electrification, and you know the. the private sector is, is best suited to keep up with that, that level of innovation, that level of investment in innovation. Uh, and, and I think it's just, it's where it belongs. Yeah. That's a, that's um, a good point, Josh. You know, they, the government can, can give you money, right? They can, they can help support uh, via grants and, and that sort of thing, which energy is absolutely taking advantage of. You know, we just received a $55 million grip grant, uh, which, which we're applying towards one of our resilience projects. So, you know, as a, a private sector employer, um, we're at least able to leverage those sort of things to benefit our customers. And you know what's interesting is a lot of people, um, you know, forget that when their power goes out, you have energy personnel's powers out as well. I mean, it's not the system is not set up 
in such a discriminating way where entergy still has power, but every, every, everyone else doesn't. You know, because you're right, Lord. It doesn't behoove us know, to keep the power out at all. The, the, the incentive points, they they align, and a lot of people think they don't align, but they do. <laughs> you know, so I just kind of make that that observation, and I go back, and I always get a lot of criticism when I say this. You get exactly what you pay for, right? Now, can, there, can any organization be more efficient in the delivery of their services? Obviously. There, there's not a single company out there that scores a 100, not that I'm aware of. Um, you know, but when any time that you're involved in an activity where you're dealing with multiple people's property rights and right-of-ways and access and, you know, uh, the, the code and, 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 and a lot of dealing with that, each one of those layers creates what more, more inefficiency and you know I've, I've said this before i said it about jefferson parish i'll say it about orleans every parish out there we need to pretty ourselves up from a regulatory and ability to receive power perspective by what we allow people to build and how and what we allow them to plant and where and Quite frankly, I'll just say it. We suck at it. <laughs> we don't do it well. And we don't make anybody, whether it's Entergy or any other utility company, we don't make it easy for any of them. And the sooner that we come to that realization and look ourselves in the mirror critically, the better off we're going to be uh, moving forward. Uh, because the challenges are coming, whether you believe in climate change or not. We're being faced with a lot more challenges day in and day out, a lot of violent storms, this, that, and everything else, and a lot of little touch points that are susceptible to whether or not it's an animal chewing on a wire or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. And the, the sooner that we come to that realization, the, the better off we are. We, and we have a lot of antiquated development uh, out there, and it's hard to go back and undo and redo, right? And no, obviously, we would never want the power to go out. But, but frankly, even yeah. if you physically could make a system that did, never went down, you couldn't afford it. It would be incredibly, incredibly expensive. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that we know that hardening our system works. Florida has done it. Um, we, we hired the consulting firm that Florida used to harden their system. United Utilities did the work in Florida. So we know that hardening our system and doing these things will 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 make us a much stronger and and much much more hardened electrical grid. Nika, final thoughts. Look, if if you want if you want your grid hardened, if you want your power restored quicker after the storm, if you don't want to pay so much money in um, in storm recovery costs, ask your council members to vote vote yes on our storm hardening project on June, uh, January twenty fourth. Josh? Yeah, we are proud to have Energy headquartered here in New Orleans. The, the economic impact to our region is, is tremendous. Um, it's the gold standard. We, we, we need five more Energies headquartered here, and we need to retain the Energy headquarters that we have here and make sure that they're growing and, and happy and uh, engaged and, and driving more jobs here through partnerships like United Utilities. Absolutely. Appreciate y'all coming forward. Um, I read every page of the impact study and um, also the resilience investment plan uh, previously, and and I think it's I think it's well done, spot on. Uh, 
there's a cost to this, and um, we just have to be willing uh, to pay the cost. And unfortunately, so many of our other costs have gone up uh, that we didn't really anticipate that it kind of makes it, I know, difficult uh, to have the conversation. But it's an absolutely necessary conversation, and it's an absolute necessary activity. We thank you all. Have a great week, and uh, Happy New Year to both of you all. Thank Happy you, New Year, Noel. Take care. That's Nika Scott, Director of Public Affairs, Entergy New Orleans, and Josh Flagg, uh, Senior Vice President of Business Development at Greater New Orleans, Inc. We'll be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Governor-elect Jeff Landry has announced a, a number of new hires for his administration. Chief of Staff will be Kyle Ruckert, the executive counsel to the governor, Angelique Friel. Chief of Staff to the First Lady, Elise Causes, Communications Director, Kate Kelly, Deputy Chief of Staff, Andre Miller, Legislative Director, Lance Maxwell, Director of Intergovernmental Relations, Kyle Ardwin. Kyle was a former Secretary of State. Congratulations to him. Policy Director, John Kay, and Policy Director, Millard Mule. I think they both came, if my memory serves me correct, from um, Jeff Landry's uh, previous uh, position as attorney general uh gubernatorial uh, inauguration is scheduled for monday morning in fact dave cohen and i'll do a special show on monday we'll be broadcasting jeff land governor-elect jeff landry's um <clears throat> inaugural address uh monday morning as well during my show from 10 to 1 and uh, we'll be talking about all of the other um Folks that are coming into office uh, some new some uh, re-elected that will be sworn in on Monday as uh, well. And there's a lot of things happening, obviously, at the state level with this um, special session for redistricting and having to create a minority district. Um, that is some serious work that needs to be done. The federal, the federal court is overlooking that. They've put uh, really tight timelines on the incoming administration to get that resolved. So they will call themselves into uh, special session 
I think the second week of January, if my memory serves me correct, and uh, try and get that done over a number of days. And then they go into a special session on crime. And uh, we've talked about some of the issues that they uh, may deal with uh, there uh, as well. And um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how a lot of this uh, plays itself out. And then in the spring, they go into regular session. Uh, so they this uh, new legislative body coming into office, is they've got a lot of work um, facing I mean, it's going to a lot of tough issues actually uh, coming up as well. So it will be interesting to see uh, where that uh, will go. Uh, I think there's a couple of more appointments to be made um, by attorney, uh, by um, Governor-elect Jeff Landry. uh, And uh, these were announced uh, today and I'm sure in in the coming days before the inauguration, whatever's left, the those announcements uh, will be made. They've been coming out a little bit uh, every day, and, that, and that's typically how um, this works, and uh, in finalizing his executive staff and, and the like as he takes office at noon on uh, January uh, the 8th. Outgoing um, Governor John Bell Edwards uh, addressed um, the state last night uh, from a Meet Louisiana and um, talked about his uh, accomplishments and the like. And that is something that you, we typically see as well. And uh, so it um, seems to have been a very smooth transition. I commend both gentlemen uh, for that. I, didn't, I did not have any doubt that it was going to be anything other than that, quite frankly. And, um, and that's part of what makes this country great, is that we can transfer power from one to the other. Uh, whether it's local, state, federal, uh, without a, a whole lot of hoopla and pomp and circumstance and just get it done uh, to understand that uh, the next administration has to get to the details of the operation of government. And uh, so it's always nice when you see that this goes uh, without any controversy. Obviously, these two individuals don't, they're not singing off the same sheet of music. There's a an ideological chasm between the two. That's okay. Um, and uh, that's how politics works. And we'll, you know, obviously things will be changing. And they're going to be changing fast. Uh, not maybe to the extent that some people expect right away, but there's some issues, obviously, as we just said, with the con- congressional redistricting that we don't really have much of a choice on. It's something uh, that is going to have to change uh, in the very near future. Well, I wanted to touch base real quick on the situation of Claudine Gay. She filed, she wrote a, an op-ed piece <laughs> to the New York Times, and all I can say is that uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, just uh, as she she says, as I depart, I must offer a few words of warning. The campaign against me was about more than one university and one leader. This was merely a single skirmish in a broader war to unravel public faith in pillars of American society. Wow. Campaigns of this kind often start with attacks on education and expertise. 
because these are the tools that the be that best equip communities to see through propaganda. But such campaigns don't end there. Trusted institutions of all types, from public health agencies to news organizations, will continue to fall victim to coordinated attempts to undermine their legitimacy and ruin their leaders' credibility. This was not a conservative attack on Claudine Gay. This was an attack on a specific response to a specific question, as in one instance, about whether or not those promoting genocide would violate the student code of conduct at Harvard. And President, then President Gay refused to answer the question, dependent on the context. What would the context, what, what would need to change? If anybody walked, any student had a sign and said, I want to kill all students at Harvard, what more context would we need to bring to the conversation? Would that violate that? Would it put people at fear? Would it be considered a threat? Is this conduct that we want to perpetuate on our campuses? What's the context that we're looking for? And then she talks about unravel public faith in the pillars of American society, attacks on education and expertise. Well, that was the second issue that, that Claudine Gay faced was her expertise. What everyone said that evaluated her appointment as the president of Harvard was that she was not as published as most candidates and certainly candidates for Harvard um, historically had. In fact, she was relatively thin on that front uh, and you would expect to see someone publish in a way that was cited and was heralded um, and maybe even groundbreaking in some uh, instances, but not here. Uh, and why one would feel that though, as though that that's an attack, that's simply a compare and contrast as to where institutions of higher learning, specifically uh, Penn and Harvard and the Ivy League schools, that they have always required very rigorous publishing in order to attain these types of positions. But of course, because she's a woman and she's black, she's, it's now about race and gender. It can't be about one's academic record. Not to mention the fact that several black publisher authors were very critical of her plagiarizing their work and not attributing what she published, and in some cases a lot of material, to them. Are they racist as well? Are they trying to tear down the pillars of American society? This this woman doesn't want to take any criticism at all and doesn't want to own any of this. But the one thing that she's revealed for sure 
is that she admits there's a two-tier system. One for the elites, such as herself, relative to plagiarism. And one for all the rest of those folks. You know, those students down there that are paying all this money and everything else and working hard at Harvard. They're treated differently as it relates to their scholarly requirements and the punishment when they violate those maxims of trust and honesty. I guess when you get to the top, it doesn't apply to you anymore. That's one thing that she's revealed about how the how things work at Harvard. But I guess it's racist and sexist to really want to be talking about meritocracy, about truth, and about honesty. Just my thought. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Well, when we come back uh, tomorrow, we'll be going to be talking on No Filter Friday about a number of things. One's going to be what's going on at the uh, border. I mean, the numbers are increasing. The word salad that's coming out of the Biden administration just continues to mystify me that they can't get their hands around this. And this is all about the reluctance to compromise. They're worried about their political base. They don't really care about what's going on at the southern border. They're just worried about their political base. We're in an election year now. And to think that we're going to reach a compromise on this issue, I just don't have a high level of confidence uh, relative to that because the too much to lose. There's too much at stake. There's a lot of risk. This president has been risk-averse for the most part. Uh, doesn't want to talk about anything, doesn't want to answer any questions, doesn't want to be challenged, and we make nothing by ex- but excuses. And then his White, Ho- White House uh, spokesperson, all she does is deflect. Deflects, deny, blame others, to, even to the point of being ridiculous about the blame uh, that's going on here, which is so contrary to what everyone is seeing on the news every day. I don't know that it's going to get any better. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're less than because of what we're doing. 
And the sooner that we get this, and this is not anti-immigrant, this is about doing it the right way. Everybody else does it. It's amazing. Every, every other country that we consider our allies are doing it. In fact, in England right now, they're changing the policy on student visas. Presently, they allow the student to bring their family to the UK. There's a, there's a, a proposal to change that because they're having to come to grips with some of the same issues that we have in monitoring and moderating immigration in order to make sure and ensure that they're doing it in an appropriate way that works to the best interests of the country. Why do we have to apologize when we want to do things in the best interest of the country? The entity's interest always outweighs the individual. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of having to apologize for that. I'm tired of, you know, people saying this, that, and otherwise. They don't know anything about how the system works. They don't know what the existing laws are. They don't know about where they want the laws to be. They want this kind of equity model out there. And that's interesting because we, as U.S. citizens, we don't get equity. We don't have equity courts in our system of justice. can desire it all he wants it's not the form of government we have so why would we want to give immigrants something that we don't get as citizens and then we want to reward bad behavior how's that work if anyone should be rewarded for bad behavior first one would think it would be a citizen right before we start rewarding anybody else just a few observations we'll talk more about that tomorrow We'll be right back. Scoot's up next. We'll check in with him. Stay with us. Scoot joins us. What do we have coming up, Scoot? All right. uh, NOPD stats show crime is down in most uh, areas for 2023. But do you feel any better? When do you feel most vulnerable? We'll talk about that and more. All righty. Scoot's headed your way. Stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll see you. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.